everybody, and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I am Chad Russell, and that is Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. And this show, Solid Steps Radio, was birthed and started as a show for men by men, talking about stuff from a man's perspective. We believe here at Solid Steps that men are really good at doing sports, weather, and politics, but we want men to be go further than that. And to go deeper, and we believe here that you are not fulfilling your full destiny as a man. There's a lot of great men out there, better men than me, who aren't walking with the Lord. But you're not fulfilling your destiny as God created you as a man or woman if you're not walking with the person of Jesus Christ. That is to fulfill God's plan for you. Now, that being said, what does that mean for us? We just want to be a place where we can be men talking about stuff that really matter in your walk with God. And if you're listening to today's show, you may have missed last week's show, depending on when this airs. But last week we had one of our our family, our radio favorite radio guests on, Dr. Chuck Tackett. And we were talking about marriage and things to look out for, warning signs, whether or not, and we're going to recap that here in a little bit, uh, review about last week's show. But this week's show is going to piggyback off that and take us in a direction of what do we need to do to make things right that aren't not right in our marriage now. So these two shows, they're independent, but they really, if you didn't listen, boy, it'd be nice to connect to them. And I'll, we'll give you more information on that show. But we want to review what some of the things that Chuck has seen in his years of being a counselor that will help people go in the right direction. And so uh, welcome, Chuck Tackett, to the show. Welcome back. Great to be back. Uh, I think, guys, this is the 14th time. Is it really? Man, yeah. wow. Uh, well, yep. it's it's great to have you back. And just uh, listeners, just so that you know, that we, we kind of rate this PG-13. And uh, just so if you have little listeners, little ears uh, around, you might want to wait to listen to this until an appropriate time. Uh, but Chuck, uh, last week we talked about sexual affairs and sexual adultery and how it happens. And I, uh, just review for us, uh, for our listeners real quickly. Well, uh, one of the sections we talked about was how do you prevent, um, you know, either you or your spouse from having an affair. And so one of those things is you just simply cannot starve your relationship in your thought life, in your emotional life in your sexual life, and in your spiritual life. You cannot starve one another. So that would be the biggest highlight to take from the first section that we had. And then I I noted that Dr. Gottman, uh, in his research, has has really a three-step process to help a couple recover from a sexual affair. And segment one is a tone, segment two is a tune, and then the last is attach. And so when we looked at a tone last uh, in the previous program, um, we just really came to came to understand that you have to practice radical openness with one another, radical honesty with one another, and you have to make sure that your time is completely and totally accountable. And when we looked at confession, the individual who did the affair has to be willing to confess whatever the non-offending party needs confessed. You have to be willing to just be open about the whole thing. No holding, no holding back. No holding back. No hold. No holds barred. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, it won't turn into a grudge match. But 
uh, no holds barred. You got to be radically open and radically honest with one another, you know. And when you're when you're that open and that honest with one another, then you have a chance to to really build something new and different. Because we have to be honest, the old relationship wasn't working, and since it wasn't working, that needs to be repaired also. And so one of the key things we t- we talked about last time was you have to be willing. The person who had the affair, they have to break off all contact all communication with the person they had the affair with and they have to break up, break off all contact with the people that were associated with the affair. You have to bring all of those people to a conclusion, end your connection with them completely. Chuck, talk to our listeners just real quickly about if that happened to a person with a person at where you were employed. Well, um, it happens relatively frequently there because one of the things about affairs is they tip into hat. They tend to happen, uh, in what's called proximity with people around you. So, um, most of the time you're, you're going to have to, if it's a person at the office, if you can't transfer to a new place or they can't transfer to a new place, then, then you need to be completely and totally accountable for any contact you have with that individual. And you cannot under any condition talk with, that individual other than what's necessary, you know, for work. But if possible, you need to go somewhere else and find a different job or stay within the company, but do a different thing within the company. And that's, you know, that really would say what Jesus said, you know, if your right eye offends mm-hmm. you, you, pluck it out. I mean, you, you need to be, yeah. ra- it needs to be radical. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's go ahead and, and get into um, the next, the latter part of uh, a tone. And that is we have to understand this category is we have to understand what went wrong. And so the betrayer has to understand why did he or she pull away from their spouse? Because the affair doesn't happen until you pull away. Okay. And then the betrayer also has to understand why did he, why did he or she connect with the person of the affair? There are reasons why that occurred. And so there's a, there in essence is a typology that happens. Okay. All of us as human beings have a certain type of person that we're likely to be attracted to them that because they're going to be the most tempting one for us to, for us to potentially fall to. And so we have to know that. And so the, the betrayer has to know why was it that affair person? How did that fit into his typology? Okay. Yep. And, and so, you know, he or she has to know. And they, because in knowing that you're going to come to understand what your triggers are, what your vulnerabilities are. So, so let me give you a crazy illustration, guys. Um, my first full-time job was uh, working for the Colonel. Okay. I worked as an assistant manager at a KFC store in Xenia, Ohio, after the tornado in 74 destroyed Xenia. Before the tornado hit Xenia, they had 19,000 residents. After the tornado hit Xenia, they had homes for only 12,000 people. 7,000 people lost their residences, okay? And so the store went from being an evening store where supper time was the big crunch to being a lunchtime store because we had all kinds of construction workers workers in town. So we hired this young lady. Her first name was Jill. And let's just say, guys, she was the typical drop-dead gorgeous California blonde. That's That's just what she was. And so actually... Back in 74, we paid her $10 an hour, okay, which would be like paying a, um, a, a food service worker $40 an hour now. 
But we did that because the construction workers would be lined up 15 to 20 deep during lunch. And we made a killing during lunch. She fit that typology for a lot of different people. And the crazy little side here. On one Sunday night, she, Jill didn't know the Lord, and so I wanted to make sure she got to hear the gospel clearly. So I invited her to church on one Sunday night. And she came in basically a, you know, a black dress. And you know someone's attractive when everybody in the congregation freezes and turns around and looks at the person. And I'm not joking, guys. Even the women in the congregation on that Sunday night turned around and looked at this woman. Okay. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, uh, come on guys, you know, you, <laughs> you all have to turn around and look at once, you know, we all have vulnerabilities. We all have triggers. My goal for Jill was that she would come to faith in Christ. She was, she was, she had a good heart and she didn't know the Lord at all, but everybody's got a typology. So you got to know what your typology is. Next, the cheater has to give a reasoning for why he or she wants to come back to the marriage. They have betrayed their partner. They have to give a clear, logical reason why they want to stay married to their spouse. And, okay? and, and, that, and, Chuck, and that reason has to be genuine. Yes. Chuck, so they say, well, I'm, I'm just going to do it for the kids. Is that sufficient? No. No, it's not sufficient. Would you expand on that just a minute? Well, it's not sufficient because what you're really saying to your spouse is, well, hey, I'm going to go back to doing my duty. Okay. Well, what's exciting about that? Are you really saying to your spouse, yes, I want to, I want to be with you. So the genuine reason that really has to be there is because I've done wrong and I want to make the wrong right to you. And I want to build a new and a different relationship with you. That's what the offending party has to draw, the conclusion they have to draw. Now, if I can, Chad, very, very quickly here, the next area is just basically two points. There cannot be another episode of infidelity. There just can't be. If the spouse goes out there and has an additional affair, then it's done. Then the relationship is done, guys. Hey, Chuck, let's push okay. pause on that, right? If we could, that's gotcha. a good stopping point. We're going to stop, pick up, and then in the next segment, we're going to talk more about the second point. So we're going to take a break. Be back shortly here on Solid Steps. Great. So our last segment, Chuck was telling us about if there's an affair. And uh, Chuck, can you pick up where we left off in that first segment? Yes. Um, we were talking about if during treatment the person goes out and has, the offending party goes out and has another affair, then, okay, it's over. The relationship at that point is over unless God does something absolutely stunningly amazing. Now, I will say, guys, I've had couples come in to see me where both the husband and wife have had affairs. Um, I've had couples come in to see me where it's just the wife and, where it's, and other couples where it's just the husband. I've had people come in um, and admit to me that they had dozens of affairs, okay, over the length of their marriage. 
And in that first confession, they got to confess it all. They got to come clean about everything that they've done. And if they do that, there's a, there's a great chance that the marriage can be saved. But in this situation that we're talking about here is let's say they've come in and they've done that and then they go right back out and they have another affair. All right. They're really telling their spouse, I don't want to be with you anymore. And you can't build if someone who enters the therapeutic process goes out and does it again. So outside of God intervening in a massive way, from a human point of view, there's really not anything we can do. So Chuck, let me ask you this. If, if someone does have one affair, how likely are they to have a second if they're not already have the intervention and the process of reconciliation starting? If somebody has, uh, if somebody has an affair and then all of a sudden it's either confessed or found out, how many of them from that point on, if, if they're, if they do find out, then they likely to have it. They're not likely to have a second or if they are not found out, they continue to have it. I mean, if somebody has an affair once, are they continue to go down there unless they, something happens? Oh, they're going to continue to go down the path until a confrontation occurs. Then here's the funny thing, Chad, about, about your question is a lot of people rat themselves out eventually. They just, they just accidentally let things slip and it perks up their spouse's ear and their spouse begins to pay more attention. And what the, what the offending party understands then is, okay, man, my spouse figured it out. I, I honestly, I ratted myself out. Most people don't find out by accident. Most people do stupid things and those stupid things get discovered. Okay. So we, we just have to basically understand that. Okay. Guys, let's go ahead and move on to this whole issue of forgiveness. And I've always found it very intriguing that non-Christian people are in the research are talking about the necessity of forgiveness. Okay, so the first thing we need to understand about forgiveness is the hurt partner accepts the apology of their spouse who had the affair. They accept the apology. Okay, and so part of this forgiveness is to acknowledge that that anyone can be untrustworthy on an occasion. I doubt seriously that all of us have been perfectly trustworthy. We've all had temptation, and hopefully we've gone ahead and we've, we've rejected the temptation and made the choice to walk towards God. But part of forgiveness is, is acknowledging to oneself that none of us are perfectly trustworthy. We have to work on becoming more and more and more trustworthy. Chuck, what does it look like when a, when a, a, a man or a woman, they say to their spouse, what I've done is wrong. There's a genuine apology Mm -hmm. and you say they accept that apology. What, 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 what does that look like? Well, they basically simply say, okay, I just, they're clear about it. I accept your apology. Now that means we have other things we've got to build on. That means we still have to work on our relationship. But I accept that you are honestly apologizing to me. And they will state it to their partner. That they accept the apology. Because it isn't, until they state that it's accepted, nobody really knows if it's accepted or not. But that doesn't mean they haven't fully forgiven them yet. No, uh, forgiveness is a process. And in this, and in this area, it's a process that, that happens many, many times. Okay? 
that forgiveness will be granted on many occasions. And, and we and we just simply need to understand that. Okay, and so we have to understand that an additional issue is if the cheater slips up while in counseling, he or she must stick to the work process. And I don't mean slip up, have another affair. That that that's it. If another affair occurs, that's it. But let's say on a given occasion, uh, the husband had the affair, and um, uh, this other person contacted him, and a day goes by before he tells his wife. Okay, that's a slip up. Okay, that's clearly a slip up. But he didn't do anything with the person. There's no evidence that he did anything with the person. But then, but then that sets the whole process back. And so now he has to come to a place of where forgiveness needs to occur again. Okay? So we just need to understand that when we're dealing with this, that forgiveness becomes an absolutely crucial part of what's going on here. Okay? So guys, with a few minutes left in this section, let's shift to the whole issue of what they call attune. And very specifically, attune means that the couple acknowledges or that the person acknowledges that the previous relationship that they had, the previous marriage they had with one another, wasn't meeting either of their needs. If you're going to attune to one another, tune into one another, you've got to acknowledge that the previous relationship wasn't working at all. And that's hard for some couples to admit. But then I've never had a couple come in to see me and say, well, hey, our relationship was too great, and because it was too fantastic, I made the decision we needed to have an affair or I needed to have an affair. Now, guys, if that happened, I'm pretty doggone confident I would have heard that in 32 years of practice and five years as a pastor, okay? And I've never heard that, and I have never heard of any counselor talking about that. So the reality in this situation is, we in, in attuning, the previous relationship has to be, there has to be built a new and a different relationship. So the next, the next part of attune is, you have to develop a deep sense of knowing one another. And I would liken that to, to the biblical concept of knowing. And we, could go, we can go all the way back into Genesis. Adam knew Eve. That wasn't that he just knew her sexually. He knew her personally. He began to really understand who she was as a person. We have to have this deep knowing of one another. And if we do then we will begin this process of deeply attuning to one another. Very quickly here then, giving their partner, you have to give your partner access to those sadder, darker, vulnerable parts of who you are as a human being. And if it's the man who had the affair, oh, that's so hard for him to do. It's so hard for him to, to let those sadder, darker, mm. vulnerable parts of who he is well up within himself and come out and be expressed to his wife. Basically, what, that's a part of attuning. Um, what, what we talked about last week in avoiding affairs, mm -hmm. when you talked about um, mm -hmm. you know relationally and spiritually and emotion, and that's what you're talking about re re engaging to a deep level of seducing your wife again. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Keep, keep expounding, Ch uh, Chuck. Okay. Well, uh, Chad, are we close to time? 
Well, I'll tell you what, we got about 30 seconds left. And let me, let me just, All right. let's transition this to the next segment. Okay. okay? Sounds good. Sounds um, good. The, the, when, when people hear these things, a lot of them are thinking, well, wait a minute, I got to go to a counselor to do all of these things. But in reality, a lot of these tools you're talking about can happen within your home between the two of you. If one of them is willing to go in that direction, is that a true statement? I think you can do some of these things. Um, now let's, let's talk about the person, but, you, who, but who, you've, but, but you've got to have people that you're accountable to, right? That has to have other you've people got involved. to have people that you're accountable to. So, so as a believer, you've got to have an elder at least involved. You, you've got to have, okay, you got to have an elder involved because honestly, pastors are too doggone busy doing other things. Right. Okay. And honestly, pastors are not as skilled at dealing with people individually as elders are. Yeah. For a simple reason. Elders live on the front line. Right, Chad? That's true. That's true. You're living on the front line. You're dealing with everything that walks in the door, in the front door and goes out the back. That's true. And hey. pastors don't. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and expand on this even more here in the, ne- in the third segment here on Solid Steps Radio. So we were talking the last two segments about... The affair has happened, and now what does reconciliation look like? And Chuck, you had a point that we had to stop in the middle of the last segment. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the issue of knowing and being known by your partner. That is so absolutely essential. Just like Adam knew Eve, we have to also understand Eve knew Adam. And it was more than just being sexual. It was the fact that they were there in the garden with one another, and they were building a relationship with one another. They were sharing challenges, things they were dealing with. They were also, another point here is they were sharing vulnerabilities with one another. Mm. You know, one of the things I'm, one of the things I'm going to ask Adam and Eve about is this. How many hours, days, weeks, or years were they in the garden before they partook of the forbidden fruit? How many years? We don't know. Yeah, you read. Now, yeah, that's that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Was it was it minutes or was it years? We don't know. We don't know how much time they actually spent knowing one another. But one of the reasons that that a betrayal happens is because both people become lonely and they become invisible to one another. So you have to really focus in on knowing one another. And in attuning to one another, you're saying, okay, I'm getting, I'm really getting to know you in a deeper way and you are getting to know me in a deeper way. And that's challenging. It's also, it's also absolutely to the very heart meaningful. So last point I want to make in attune that's very, very crucial to me is once they're coming, once the couple senses they're coming back together, they need to make an announcement to their children or in-laws or other family members or close friends that they have recommitted to one another and they are rebuilding trust with one another. Okay. They just have to say that to one another. And, and Chuck, I'm recommitted and we are rebuilding trust. 
And Chuck, I'm, I'm going to uh, just put a shout out here for the, mm-hmm. the the power and the beauty of a vow renewal. I've done that with oh yeah. I've done that with couples who have fallen, like what we're talking about, and now they've come together again in front of others, family and and beyond, and to say we are recovening again to to faithfully mm-hmm. to love one another. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is. Um, right before, um, well, right when COVID started hitting, um, a couple that I was finishing up with wanted to do a vow renewal. And the only people there was uh, were Pastor Kyle, um, Elder John, his wife Lisa, and myself. And they needed to make that statement to God, and they needed to make that statement to the people that they were closest to, and they did. And it is a beautiful thing to do. All right, guys, let's let's quickly move on to attach. Attach means in the after in the aftermath of the betrayal, the victim often does not want to risk physical intimacy with the straying partner. Okay, it's very very difficult for them to get the affair out of their mind, especially when they're having sex. Okay. Now I've seen this play out in two ways in relationships. I've seen the non-offending spouse become hypersexual and want to be sexually intimate just about every single day. On other occasions, I've seen the non-offending spouse say, okay, the person has got to get checked out first. Okay, that's fine. Let them go get checked out. But once that happens, you've got to begin to, to reattach physically with one another. And so the one caution I give people is as you reattach physically with one another, as you begin to be sexually intimate with one another, you've got to keep your eyes open when you're physically intimate. You've got to stare at one another. You've got to look at one another because otherwise, if your eyes close, the non-offending partner is going to say, are you thinking of me or are you thinking of the other person? So when you become physically intimate with one another, you've got to keep your eyes open. Second thing that we have to understand about attaching is there will be fear, there will be anger, and there will be vulnerability as you attach. Because as you more deeply attach to one another, you're going to learn things about each other that are going to scare you sometimes. You're going to learn things about one another that you're going to get angry about sometimes. And you're going to, you're going to feel vulnerable when you attach to someone. And when you really, really connect with someone, you're just going to feel vulnerable. Third thing very quickly is the couple must begin to reconnect in the bedroom again for the marriage to survive. They must sexually pleasure each other well for the relationship to make it. Physical intimacy is just absolutely essential. Um, Fourth thing is the long-term love sexual intimacy is found in a healthy interdependence uh, and longing for one another to connect. Okay? That longing to connect is so, so so crucial to have in life. And then one other thing very, very quickly is the key, the keystone to this pleasurable and meaningful sex life is a steady diet of intimate conversations with one another, intimacy in your emotional life, intimacy in your thought life, intimacy in your relationship. If there's intimacy in those three areas, then it makes it a whole lot easier for the two of you to have physical intimacy with one another. Hey, Chuck, I've got a question about your previous point. 
if someone, yes. if, there, if people are have, if they have to engage again physically, sexually, but what mm-hmm. if there is a physical ailment? What if there's a, a timeline for a while that, that it's just, it's just not physically possible and or very not uncomfortable physically. If there's something going on there, what do you recommend right. during that time? Well, um, okay. I'll try not to make this R rated. Okay. There are other ways for them to pleasure one another than the classical way of being sexually intimate. And uh, read the Song of Solomon, uh, listeners. Right. And that's, Which uh, a lot of people don't want to read that book, you know. But Kurt is such an important book. Um, because let's just say that couple's crazy about one another. And they enjoy one another in a multitude of ways. And, uh, yeah, listeners, um, if you don't think the Bible is interesting, you need to just open up the, the Song of Solomon and get it in a, a you know, a newer translation, and it mm-hmm. will be, um, it is uh, R-rated in, in how mm-hmm. a, a, a man and a woman are to come together. So Yeah, yeah. And why not enjoy what God has designed to be enjoyed? Okay, so let me introduce this for the for the next segment, guys. Why do divorces happen once a sexual affair has been uncovered? Okay, they happen for a couple of reasons, and one of those two reasons that they happen is the offending party, the one who had the affair, chooses to maintain the affair. They choose the affair person over their spouse. And so when that happens, that effectively ends the marital relationship. And what was the second thing, Chuck? The offending party rebuilds for a few months and then uh, says, no, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. Because the, the offending party has made a decision. And the decision is they don't really want to build a personal life. They don't really want to build great character. They don't re- really want to become a strong person. They want to be someone who plays, not builds. And that that will lead to the divorce. That will lead to the demise oh, yeah. of, of the relationship. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. If you, you know, you're either a person who's going to build or you're a person who's going to play. And, and I, tragically, if you're married to a person who's only going to play, you're not going to build. And I love what you said earlier, though, Chuck. I think it was even before we were on the air mm-hmm. that God, God is a redeeming God. That even oh, yeah. even in the middle of this horrible betrayal, if we humble ourselves and we follow mm-hmm. this process of what you're talking about before the Lord, yeah. um, this marriage can be saved. So I'll tell you what, we're oh, going to take yes, a break. Definitely. We're going to take a break with that. Come back for one more segment. We could go 10 more segments. We only got one more for the show. So we're going to take a break. Come back shortly here on Solid Steps Radio. So as we come into this fourth segment, there's a lot to listen to. You're just catching this. We're talking about first three segments you can go back and listen to on SoundCloud, iTunes. Just type in Solid Steps Radio. 
go to our Facebook page as well and uh, just type in Solid Steps Radio and you can hear those in their entirety. Um, we are picking up where we left off on the third segment of what happens if the offended party, what usually leads them to divorce, but now we're going to change gears and what happens to if the unoffended party, unoffended meaning the person who did not take part in the affair, what leads that to divorce? Yeah, so what, what are your thoughts there, Chuck? Well, um, it basically, for the non-offending party, it basically boils down to one issue. And that is, they do not want to grant forgiveness. For the non-offending party, they cannot bring themselves to forgive. And so I think we can go to Matthew 19, uh, the first 12 verses of Matthew 19, and we can focus in on one little phrase in verse 8. And that phrase is hardness of heart. So in the Greek, it means it is an unwillingness to think and understand. And you stubbornly hold to your position, to your viewpoint, to the evidence you think you have. And some of your evidence is inaccurate. So you have your heart, you help your heart grow hard. It just hardens. And and you're no. un, and you're unwilling you're unwilling to um, get to know this person who has betrayed you who has offended yeah. you and oh, yeah. who and who has deeply sinned against you at the yeah. at the same time I think it was Bob Russell used to say you know when we understand how much we have been given grace and how much we have been forgiven when we get a picture of that and get a hold of that that really helps us give grace and forgiveness to those around us well i I like the old country adage if someone pokes their finger at you they're poking three back at themselves Mm. and if they got their thumb up they're poking the thumb up at god you know forgiveness needs to be a spiritual discipline you know, Kurt, you, you deal a lot with spiritual disciplines, man. For me, forgiveness is a spiritual discipline. You know, I'm going to mess up not in major ways, but I'm going to mess up in minor ways. And I hope my wife will forgive me in those minor ways. And she will mess up in minor ways. And I will forgive her in those messing up in those minor ways. It has Forgiveness is a spiritual discipline. So when we cultivate a hardness of heart, we kind of have to understand that some people like a hardness of heart. Some people enjoy a hardness of heart because they get a little, you know, drug-like buzz from hating. They kind of enjoy hating. I had a couple I worked with a long time ago, guys, a long, long time ago. They were both in their, uh, you know, mid-70s when I saw them. And I'm thinking, like, okay, you guys are set. Now, there's not much I'm going to do to help your marriage, okay? But they came in, and they... Actually, when they would speak hatefully towards one another, they would smile. And I asked them both, I said, well, what's your goal in this marriage? And they, they have a simple goal. Be the last one who dies. Because the last one who dies won. Wow. Jeez. Oh, yeah. You, I mean, think about it, guys. How much hate do you have to have in yourself to think like that? And I, I just basically, you know, I just, I just said, okay, not anything I can do about this, guys. All right. So, so let's go to one other passage here, one other verse, and that's Luke six thirty seven. Luke six thirty seven says, "Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, 
and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. I love what one Greek lexicon wrote about that, about that, about, about that verse in the word forgiveness in that verse. Here's the definition they gave. It is extremely important to understand that forgiveness is to forgive the guilt of the wrongdoer and not upon the wrongdoing itself. The event of wrongdoing cannot be undone, but the guilt resulting from such event is pardoned. To forgive, therefore, means essentially to remove the guilt resulting from the wrongdoing. Mm. That's what forgiveness is. They cannot undo the fact they had an affair. It cannot be undone. It cannot be forgotten. It can be pardoned. Mm. It can be forgiven. And that's the beauty and the grace of God. Chuck, you also mentioned before mm-hmm. the show that you wanted to mention a few things. Um, if, uh, if a couple mm-hmm. is, is talking with a, some counselors, um, right. may, maybe they need to see uh, the, the right counselors, and there's some, some signs or some... Yeah, yeah. So, there's signs. There, there's some things that you got to... Thank you. Thank you, Kurt. I really appreciate that, man. There's some things you got to watch out for. So I'm going to talk to you very quickly here about a few beliefs that if your counselor believes these things, um, my recommendation to you is find a new counselor. Okay. Yeah. The first one is it's best not to talk about the affair, avoid conflict and cool it. Uh, no, talk about it. You have to talk about it. Second one is both partners are equally culpable for the affair. Uh, no, since the person was tempted to have an affair, and had the responsibility to go to their spouse and talk to their spouse about the fact that they were tempted to have an affair and they did not do that and they went out and had the affair, the affair solely is on the offending party. Third is, an affair is much worse when a woman strays. No, it's horrible either way. It's hideous either way. Not worse if it's a woman who strays versus a man. Okay? Fourth is, if cheating were done with a prostitute, it's not as bad. Uh, actually, guys, it might be worse. Because now you have the possibility of a full array of venereal diseases. Mm-hmm. So now, that spouse has to go get checked out. Okay? And probably has to go to public health to get checked out. Because if they went to their normal doc and got checked out, then it would be on their record that there was a spouse who was, who was probably unfaithful. Okay, and one of the last ones is you have to forgive the betrayer before progress can be made. No, forgiveness is a discipline. It's something you learn along the way. So you're not going to forgive. Forgiveness, the lack of forgiveness does not hold up progress. If you don't do the work necessary, that holds up progress. But the lack of forgiveness does not hold up the process. Okay, the sixth one is uh, your shared faith alone is enough to get you through this. Hmm. Okay, we have co- we have a common belief system, but obviously an affair occurred, so we really weren't doing much of anything to live out that common belief system. Wow. And so that's a challenge. Okay. Hey Chuck, 
and and yes. we're gonna we're gonna need to wrap this up because mm-hmm. I, I and I want you to pray because I, I you know before all of this if we are gonna have healthy marriages we need to go to the God who created marriage and uh, oh, yeah. I want to thank you so much for coming uh, and being a part of our show thanks for your wisdom and uh, would you pray for us guys and just pray right now would you please yes thank you Lord thank you for the privilege of um, of working with Kurt and working with Chad on this issue. We pray, Lord, you'll take what's been shared uh, by all three of us and use it, Lord, to bless couples. Use it, Lord, to allow couples to build a deeper relationship with one another and allow them to recover from a horrendous tragedy that's happened. We pray, Lord, that you will continue to speak as is your nature and character, Lord, and that you will help us to do a better job of listening that quiet voice that you speak with. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being with my brothers this day. It's in your name I pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Chuck. Thank you. So, Thank you, guys. You heard today about if people have, if there's been an affair, yes, it's possible to walk through the process. Um, probably a better idea just to avoid it altogether. And... <laughs> That's what the Bible would say, right? And that's a wise thing. And in, in the book of Proverbs, I talk to my boys all the time. I said, the road to the adulterous woman's house should have been avoided the moment they stepped on it. And so, guys, uh, we want you to walk solid steps has a radio show name that is on purpose. We want you to walk solidly. And uh, we thank you for listening. And there's a couple who probably have been through it and are heading to it, or just, you may be in that category as well. Listen to this again, pray through it, uh, send it to your spouse, say, hey, let's listen to this together. We hope this is something that will keep you and point you in the right direction. Thank you again for listening to Solid Steps. With every step I take.